Hi, this is Oscar. This is Sanjana. And this is Hayden. You are listening to Daily Discoveries, and we are part of The Daily at the University of Washington, and this is the podcast where we discuss new discoveries in Science Weekly. to another episode of Daily Discoveries. Sadly enough, it appears that our courageous podcast host, Oscar, is still having Wi-Fi troubles. So, you know, he might, he might drop in later if he can get it figured out, but we, we are planning on going ahead without him. We're crossing our fingers so he can get his Wi-Fi figured out. But today, we're going to talk about some CRISPR. Specifically, a recent paper that came out the computational design of CRISPR guide RNAs to enable strain-specific control of microbial consortia. And this is out of the Moon Group at WashU. They're in the Department of Energy, Environmental, and Chemical Engineering. And just a quick brief overview, you know, a lot of times we think of CRISPR, you know, it's like a genetic editing tool, and that's, well, that's kind of what everyone talks about CRISPR, but CRISPR itself is not the genetic editing tool. CRISPR just describes an area of a bacterial genome. So the CRISPR proteins in that whole system are actually kind of the bacterial immune response. So it's how bacteria can recognize these things called phages, and these are viruses that will infect specifically bacteria. And, you know, we have immune cells. Bacteria cannot have immune cells. They're, they're a single cell organism. So instead, they've developed this process where, you know, they get invaded by a phage, and then these proteins will chop up the phage DNA and they store them in this portion of the bacterial genome, and this is where the CRISPR is. And basically, you have these sections of virus DNA, and so, you know, the bacteria can be like, we've seen this before if they get infected. It's kind of a, a recognition for viruses. Um, the CRISPR specifically describes that between every viral piece of DNA, you have these repeats, these palindromic repeats. Um, and so it's kind of like, oh, this is DNA, this is bacteria. This is virus, this is bacteria. Yeah, CRISPR itself is not, it, it, it describes the, the repeat. And then outside of CRISPR, there are the proteins that then do the, the cutting up, um, those are the Cas9 proteins, and they're, they, they kind of are guided, well, they are guided, they're guided by these things called guide RNAs. And guide RNAs have two pieces. They have, it's kind of like an adapter end, which is, can recognize the DNA. If you can think of a machine, one end recognizes your, your protein, your, your molecular machine, and it plugs in there. And the other end is what's going to plug into the viral genome. It's got these two portions of it. And we've, we've manipulated these. So instead of plugging in like a viral genome, we can then edit genes of interest. hope that was an all right overview. And what these authors did is they tried tackling a, in my opinion, a pretty substantial issue when you're dealing with you know, complex microbial communities, which is depleting a single microorganism or, you know, isolating a single microorganism. It's really hard. And it's hard to tell exactly, like, you know, you think some bacteria is having an effect on a microbiome. How can you really tell if you can't specifically deplete it? It's, it's very difficult. And additionally, you know, maybe these eventually can be used as therapeutics for pathogenic microbes. So, you know, you have some sort of gut pathogen, maybe you can deplete just that one pathogen instead of using a you know, large-scale antibiotic, which is not great for you. Um, it can actually increase your chance of infection by a specific 
bacteria called a C. Diff or usually referred to as C. diff, it's the Clostridium difficile. So specifically, these authors made this computational program that'll take in all this information that the user wants about specific microbes, because each guide RNA has got to be specific for one microbe, right? You don't want to deplete all of them, or you don't want to isolate all of them. You just want to do one. And so this computational program that the authors developed will take in a bunch of sequences and then deduplicate and kind of create these very um, high affinity guide RNAs for single strains of bacteria. So instead of you know having a bunch of off targets, it's going to be targeted to single strains of bacteria. So the authors used, now they didn't use a lot of different bacteria. They used some E. coli strains and they used some Pseudomonas strains. So E. coli is a pretty typical lab microbe. There's a lot of them that we use. Um, there's a pretty common probiotic actually that's the E. coli and that's E. coli nesyl. And then Pseudomonas is also a common lab bacteria. In fact, it's not only the pathogenic, right, with Pseudomonas aeruginosa, but there's also like Pseudomonas putida, which is a really common industrial strain that we use for like bioreactions. And specifically what these authors showed is that when they put all these bacteria together, they could, after treatment with their CRISPR tool, they could either isolate a single colony, so you have a complex community. Of, I think they, they specifically used four different bacteria. So you have a, this, you know, four bacteria complex community, and they could specifically isolate one from that uh, community. And it would basically lead to no growth of the others. And then additionally, they could specifically deplete a single bacteria. So they showed that in a complex community of, again, I think it was roughly four bacteria, they could remove a single bacteria from the community, which is you know a really really pretty pretty cool tool to use right they they not only showed this in their in their homemade communities so like a, in this case right you take four or five bacteria that you know exactly what they are you mix them together and usually amounts that you know and then you can deplete them but they also showed that you can do it with a mouse fecal sample so right mice fecal samples are going to be they're going to be complex they're not going to be a single thing but yeah they were able to deplete a single bacterial strain from that which is Really exciting for said for bench bench research and understanding the contribution of different bacteria to a complex community, as well as you know maybe this is something we can continue to use as a therapeutic where we can deplete a single pathogenic strain. Yeah, that's kind of this really cool little paper that recently came out. So I was wondering, like, what's the difference between creating like CRISPR guides in gen, like guide RNAs in general versus ones for the consortia? Like what's, is there like, what's like the difference? Uh, I think the thing about this one, so I am not, I should, I should be upfront. I'm not a CRISPR aficionado. So I do not know all the complexity of this topic, but what it seems like is the good thing about like the, the thing they were trying to show with this program is there's really no off targeting. So you can be really highly specific about it. I, I think that reading through it, different bacteria will have different Cas9 proteins. Um, so the Cas9, or I should say Cas, they have different Cas proteins. And these are, these are the proteins responsible for basically excising your DNA. So that, you know, when I was talking earlier about the guide RNA that plugs into the protein, these are the proteins they plug into. And so for each bacteria, you're going to have like different, conditions that need to be met. So whether this is the plug-in 
whether this, there's usually a specific site upstream of a gene that's needed to, for the guide RNA and the cap protein complex to reach, and this is what's called a PAM sequence. And so those are pretty specific. But yeah, I, I think the, the nice thing about this is you can use it on a lot of different types of bacteria. I think that's what they were trying to show. Now, they didn't really show that it used like was useful outside of Pseudomonas and E. coli, but actually I think that's a that's kind of a problem with CRISPR is it's hard to use it outside of Pseudomonas and E. coli or outside of some of our uh, I think Bacillus subtilis is also a bacteria that you know we've we've developed abilities to use and we've developed the ability to use CRISPR in that in that bacteria, but I think it's hard because not all bacteria have the exact same CRISPR system. Not, I don't even know if all bacteria even have CRISPR. I don't know. Did that, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. So why is like strain specificity like so important for the consortium? Is it just because there's so many different types of bacteria? Yeah, yeah. And so in order to be, again, I guess I'm taking this to, to benchtop research. In order to be certain about ex like exactly what a bacteria would be doing, right? You don't want to accidentally kill off some other bacteria in your strain and like in your consortium and be like, oh, when we take out, we'll say for instance, they discussed this E. coli BL21, which is actually like the E. coli strain we use for express like a large scale expression of proteins, which I thought was kind of funny. But oh, when we take out this bacterial strain, we see a complete reduction in you know some symptom or some health related thing or even some like metabolite that's produced. Well, if it turns out you're accidentally killing off other bacteria instead, then you don't, you're not really changing one variable. So in that aspect, it's important for benchtop research so that we can be super specific in what variable we're manipulating. But as I said, for health, right, you want to be specific because, for instance, in our gut, we have lots of E. coli, but not all E. coli strains are equal, right? Some of them are pathogenic strains and some of them are non-pathogenic. And so if we wanted to target and remove just the pathogenic strain, we wouldn't want off-target reduction in strain number. I don't know if did that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Do you know what they mean when they're talking about three nucleotide mismatches are required for optimal strain specificity? I can't say no. that word, sorry. <laughs> okay. okay. Also, the, the term specific is really hard for me. Specificity <laughs> yeah. is easier, but... Pacific is, I, I say Pacific a lot. Um, but no, I, I actually was a little unsure about that. Um, that's something that I think would be interesting to look more into as far as what they meant. Because so in the paper, they discussed upstream, I believe it was. So upstream of your gene of interest, and I think downstream of your PAM. So the protein will recognize this PAM sequence, and then you have your gene. But there's usually like this 10 to 20 nucleotide or bases between the PAM and the, the gene. And I don't really know what the role of that is, but as the authors pointed out, if you had roughly three mismatches in there, you were good to go. Now, why that is, I'm, I'm not actually 100% sure. Yeah, I think that might be more of like a methods thing they found out. Yeah, agreed. I think in total, this, this paper is definitely, definitely a methods development paper. Which is, I think these paper type papers are really interesting because you can think about their applications outside of, right, outside of whatever this development was. Mm -hmm. but I guess if you're probably in the field of CRISPR, you're like, this isn't a method development paper. This is a CRISPR advancement paper. 
Yeah, and they also talked about creating like the antimicrobials with CRISPR Cas9. Did they actually mm-hmm. test that? Yeah, I think that was their that was the strain depletion. So if you look at figure five, figure five shows five B shows a really good reduction in the E. coli methyl from the microbial community. Yeah, it wow. goes from like was, it just goes to zero. Yeah, it, it's gone. It's just gone. <laughs> like. Yeah, this is a it's a very interesting paper. It's funny they have one figure in here, or they discuss one time where they, like I think the mouse microbiome that they took from the all bacteria to no bacteria for B may have been different, but at least one of them, some of the earlier results were from mice that they had treated with antibiotics prior to administration of the probiotic, and I don't know if that's typical or if that's just like you know that's just how it goes, but I was like, doesn't that get rid of all the other microbes in the in the community? At least substantially reduce and that's the goal is you substantially reduce it and then you can have better like there's more holes. Yeah, half of the paper was like computational stuff. So I didn't completely understand like that part. Yeah. But um I could kind of get like what the overarching like findings were. Yeah, I mean that's kind of I think I'm, as I said, I'm not a huge CRISPR aficionado. I think it's really, I, I, I thought this paper was really cool because of its implications in like microbial community research. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.